Welcome to Squared Circle, fight podcast for the common man. As uh, a new show that I'm doing, potentially, solo potentially with guests in the future, just ranting about some combat sports. Um, could be long, could be short, who knows? Depends what's going on during the week, but uh, going to try not to, you know, labor too much on anything on here and just sort of get straight to the point. But speaking of getting straight to the point, let's move into probably the biggest part of news from the week. Um, Fury finally finding his fucking balls and signing on the dotted line against Usyk. Um, hasn't been any information on the deal come out yet, whether this is going to be like, a, obviously there's going to be some rematch clauses that go, you know, obviously in Fury's direction because he seems like that kind of person and maybe also in Usyk's direction because he has so many of the belts. You would assume that they're would probably be a rematch clause that goes both ways. Um, but it's just, I don't know, like it's good to see that he finally realized that this is what he needs to do to cement his legacy. Um, and that's an interesting point that I brought up to one of my friends during the week. It's it's kind of annoying. It's a bit of a double-edged sword, really, because like him fighting Usyk, like it's good. It's good for the sport. We need this heavyweight unification. But for... All of the stuff, like all of the shit that he's spoken for so many years about him being the greatest of his generation and this and that, um, it it sort of half becomes true if he goes out there and beats somebody like Usyk because, you know, he's only got to fight really Anthony Joshua after that and Usyk absolutely dismantled Anthony Joshua over 24 rounds. So you can't really... Always go by that boxing math because styles make fights. But I think if you, sorry, not Usyk, if Fury goes out there and puts on a pretty convincing performance against Usyk, not once but twice, it might be pretty well cemented that everything that's come spewing out of his mouth over the last couple of years is actually true. Which, you know, I would hate to admit, but I'm going to give him his props if he manages to get it done. Which is, you know, the caveat if he manages to get it done. Um, He's also got to get through Francis Ngannou first at the end of this month. So let's see how that goes. Francis actually tweeted about it as soon as he saw the announcement and said, I'm not sure what the, like the medical, you know, the mandatory medical, um, I can't think of the next word that I'm looking for, but you guys know what it is. Somebody's screaming at me. Um, mandatory medical exemption, something like that. Um, for a fight, especially if you get like concussed or, you know, some severe head knocks, which is a potential against somebody like Francis Ngannou. Um, there's only two months in between those two fights. I believe this is like the end of December, like the 20th, 22nd or something like that, right before Christmas. So, yeah, there is actually like, a, you know, it seems like a joke, but there's actually a potential for that. If he gets, you know, hurt to some degree and then either A, decides to postpone the fight or B, then just go ahead and something happens in the fight, like he gets knocked out when he, you know, probably isn't supposed to against somebody like Usyk. Like, if Usyk's going to win, he's probably going to outbox him and just outwork him. It's not going to be a knockout. I don't think Usyk has that kind of power. Like, Deontay Wilder, you know, is the most powerful puncher in heavyweight boxing at the moment, and he didn't manage to do it. So I don't think Usyk has that capability. But you never know what, could happen if he cops a massive knock against 
Francis Ngannou and don't say anything about it. Remains to be seen. But like I said, it's good for the sport. We're finally getting this fight happen with, you know, some little bits and pieces thrown in there that could throw it off course. But fingers crossed we actually get to see this at the end of the year. It would be a nice way to cap it off because we've had some massive unification fights this year. Um, But I did mention AJ. And, you know, speaking of Fury, he came out in the press this week uh, and said that Fury's a duck. Quack, quack. Um, he reckons that Fury is not only ducking him, but, you know, like a couple of other people, which is a weird statement to make at this point in time, after, especially, you know, after what I just spoke about. You know, he did sign on the dotted line to fight the guy that beat you twice. It's kind of hard to make that statement at the moment. Go back a month ago, and yeah, that's completely valid. But, you know, now it's kind of hard to justify that. But also speaking of AJ, the uh, AJ Wilder deal has seemingly fallen through yet again, 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 again. I can't actually count how many times that this has been a potential fight over the like near decade that I've been watching boxing at this point in time. It's just getting ridiculous at this point. So apparently it's got something to do with the the Saudis putting on the... Fury and Nganu fight, and then probably with the Saudis also putting on the Fury and Usyk fight as well. Um, they don't want to pay for the AJ and Wilder fight anymore. I did see something about Eddie Hearn saying before that there is a potentially, like, it's just some ambiguous fucking Eddie Hearn statement, of course, um, of just him saying, like, oh, there's another country that's potentially interested, but I can't say who it is yet. It's like, okay, whatever. Once again, it's one of those situations, it's like until they're both in the ring and the bell rings, I don't believe it. Same as Fury and Usyk. Like, as much as pen has been put to paper and there's a date and all that kind of shit in place, it's like until somebody connects with the first punch, I don't think it's real. Someone's going to have to pinch me. Um, moving on to some potential fight news, which could be interesting. We've got a Teofimo Lopez versus, uh, Tank Davis fight potentially materializing at 140. There was a petition put forward this week for Tank to fight for the 140 strap against Teo. Now, I believe that the 140 title is the title that he had to relinquish at some point due to inactivity in the division, but he did go up and win that against Mario Barrios. Uh, speaking of, had a really good performance on the weekends against Jordanis Ugas. Ugas? How the fuck do you want to say that? Uh, the Pacquiao killer. <laughs> um, yeah, good performance by him all around. Um, definitely something off about Ugas. But anyway, I digress. Uh, this Teo vs. Tank fight is extremely interesting. Um, everybody was writing Teo off after the last couple of years, and then he had that absolutely blistering performance against um, Josh Taylor. Um, whether to say that, you know, Teo just had a really good night and Taylor had a really off night, I'm not sure. I think, like, the extra weight, even though it doesn't seem like that much of a difference, seems to, like, agree with him. It allows him to, like, you know, just moving his body a little bit more or rehydrate a little bit better or something like that. He just seemed like, you know, he had endless fitness for those 12 rounds, which was interesting because he seemed really gassed in like from the Cambosis fight. And then the two fights, I believe it was two fights that he had after that. Yeah. He fought somebody in 140. I can't remember who it was, but he knocked him out. And then he fought 
the guy that he definitely didn't beat. Um, I can't remember. Once again, somebody's screaming at me because they remember what his name is. And I should remember what his name is, and I feel bad that I don't remember what his name is, to be honest, because he completely deserved the win in that fight. He should have been fighting Josh Taylor. Granted, I don't think he would have beat Josh Taylor, but... Anyway, um, it's interesting to see this path that Tank's taking in the sense that he just sort of really does what he wants. Like, he's just, oh, I'll fight guys here at 135, and then I'll just literally, like, hunt down all the guys that, you know, said they were going to beat me. Kind of like this, you know, personal vendetta that he has. He's not really interested in winning titles or anything. He's just interested in, like, being the guy, um, which he's you know, really becoming hard to deny if he just starts ticking all of these people off. Like, what can you say? Like, really interesting fight, to be honest. If um, Teo comes in on his game, he could be one of the people that actually has the potential to put Tank down. But in my personal opinion, I think Tank is just way too technically sound and smart and sets traps. And yeah, I just think he'll outbox Teo for sure. Potentially knock him out. Um... But I did just mention Garcia, so we'll move on to this. Garcia versus uh, Duarte, 2nd of December. So this is uh, Garcia's first fight at 140 under the tutelage of Derek James. Uh, Derek could be fucking screaming to get one back after the weekend. Like, he's had two undisputed, like, not undisputed. He's had two world champions, one undisputed, one unified. Lose in the last month alone, I believe it was. Month, month and a half, something like that. So it's been a rough fucking middle of the year for Derek, or end of the year rather, it's fucking October. Jesus Christ, that disappeared. Um, I don't know much about this Duarte guy, but everybody is saying that this is apparently a dangerous fight for Garcia to take. Uh, this guy seems to be a vicious body puncher. I'm going to try and watch some highlights later so I have a little bit more context for the fight. Um, but, you know, at least he's not taking some soft, soft touch. Like, you know, you shouldn't just go up and fight some world champion in 140. He's not capable of that kind of thing. Um, but it's good that he's not taking a soft touch and, you know, wasting his time kind of thing. You know, he's young, not that he has heated, like, you know, he's got plenty of time to waste, but it's like, he needs to be consistent with his activity because that's been a criticism of him for so long in the public that he, you know, spends all of his time online. He's just an Instagram diva and he's not actually a boxer. Um, as long as he's consistent and he fights two to three times a year, nobody can take that away from him. Um, so, yeah, interesting. Remains to be seen. Um, seems like these are all nicely segwaying together. Uh, we're speaking about Derek's other loss. Um, Crawford doesn't want to fight Charlo anymore, claiming he's not worth his time after the performance on Saturday. Um, it's an interesting take. I'm not sure how it's going to work out for him, to be honest. Uh... Charlo spent his post-fight speech calling for uh, Terence Crawford and completely avoiding any mention or question, or answer, rather, about Tim Zhu because he's shit-scared. He also, I'm pretty positive that he mentioned in the post-fight press conference, like, not the one in the ring, the one, you know, the interview, or the, like, the actual press conference where he's sitting at a table, whatever the fuck. Um... And he still said that he was the undisputed champion. It's like, no, when the bell rang, you no longer are the undisputed champion. They took that away from you. They said that. 
Um, apparently he's going to be appealing to like get it back or some shit like that, but I don't know if that's going to pan out for him. I think that would pretty well sick of his shit in regards to not being able to defend it. Um, or rather his reluctance to defend it, you know, going up two weight classes and all that kind of thing. It's completely wasting everybody's fucking time. Water. Okay. So, I can't remember what else was said during that post-fight press conference, but like I said, it's kind of hard for Crawford to make that statement depending on how things materialize. If they materialize how I think they're going to, well, how I hope they should, Tim Zhu should get his shot probably beat Charlo and then it should be a good fight between Tim Zoo and Terence Crawford for all of the 154 straps. Um, Crawford's pretty ambiguous with what he's doing in the moment. There's no actual news behind whether this Spence rematch is going to happen in 147 or 154. I don't know why it happens in 154. It makes no sense. Um, Either of them, really. Well, it makes more sense for Spence, but it makes no sense for Crawford to go up there and, you know, give Spence more of an advantage. It does if he wants to make a point, which he's definitely capable of doing after that performance that he put on last month. But, yeah, I do I do agree with him to some degree. Like, um, I'll, I'll get into that in a couple of minutes when I talk about my thoughts from the fight. But... Let's move on to a tiny bit of UFC news before we do. And uh, Dana's trying to kill Tony Ferguson. He's just like, I'm really sick of looking at this guy. And hopefully, if like Chandler couldn't get the job done, punting his fucking skull into the ceiling, then Paddy Pimblett will just like mentally destroy him with his fucking like harsh Liverpool accent and all of the build up. And just turn whatever is left of Tony's mind to absolute marsh. And then just, like, pop his head off at the end of it. Uh, <laughs> it's fucking, like, I don't, I, I don't understand, man. Like, he's on a six-fight losing streak and you hand him to somebody that's like, yeah, arguably been hit and miss, but if he's on his game, he's probably going to fucking destroy Tony Ferguson. But you know who doesn't believe that? Tony fucking Ferguson, which, you know, I believe that's all he's got going for him at this point. He seems to be making some adjustments, saying that he's, like, going back to a coach and saying that he needs to be a student again, which is, apparently he's been training himself for a while, which explains the whole, like, throwing sin in Justin Gagey's face and then, you know, copping that uppercut, which is one of the most sickening fucking sounds. If anybody's never seen that, go watch, like, the stoppage of Justin Gaethje versus Tony Ferguson. Because it was in, it was during COVID, so there was a minimal crowd in the apex, and you can hear every shot. It's, like, pretty intense. <laughs> it's, uh, like, don't, don't watch it if you've got a weak stomach, to be honest. It's, like, the sound. It's, like, oh, that's brain damage right there. Like, 100%. Like, that is, like, you just, like, Ensured he will forget his children's names in like 10 years. 100%. <laughs> anyway, I shouldn't be making fun of him because it's fucking, it's a fucking hard task that he's got ahead of him in Paddy Pimblett. Um, 
but we'll talk quickly about the whole card because that was announced the other day. Um, starting it off, we got Ian Gary versus Vicente Luque. Luke, uh, Luque, I would say that's how you say that. Um, I'd say Gary gets the job done. He's fucking 13 and 0, and he doesn't seem to be stopping anytime soon. Um, I don't actually know much about this Vicente Luque. I've heard his name, but I've never seen him fight, so I can't say for sure whether he's going to be a tougher challenge than what Gary's had prior. But and credit to him as well because he's got a like. I'm pretty sure he's fought. This is like the third time this year, and then like he fought late last year, so like four times within a year. He's staying relatively active, which is very good. Good to see. Um, up next we got the aforementioned. Ferguson versus Pimblet, you know, Tony could just completely fucking pull one out of the blue and just get it done. But I think Paddy's probably going to finish it. Um, up next is an interesting one: Shavkat Rachmanov versus Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Um, Rachmanov is fucking terrifying. Uh, and. Wonderboy's justification for taking this fight is the fact that Rachmanov is probably going to be the welterweight champion one day. So beating him will put him on the path to the title. Um, I kind of feel like this could be like his last ride. If he, you know, loses, he, he might, he might not call it now, but he might take like a, you know, homecoming fight kind of thing and then call it after that. Cause it's, you know, He's not got a massive record, but he is getting on the older side of things, and it's, you know, there's some killers coming up in that division, i.e. Shavkat Rachmanov. The last... I'm pretty sure it's the guy that I'm thinking of. The last... One of the last fights that he had, he won by standing rear naked choke. Once again, uh, another thing to go and look up if you haven't seen it. It's a fucking spectacle. Um, but fucking terrifying. At the same time, it's like, Oh my god, he literally just like bear hugged that guy's neck and lifted him off the ground and now he's asleep. Holy shit. Um, so yeah. I really don't know which way to go with that one. If Thompson is completely on his game and doesn't allow this guy to grapple him, would potentially get the job done, but I think he could end up going to sleep. This guy hits like a fucking truck, and if he gets a hold here, he will just, you know, squeeze whatever part of your body he wants to until it either breaks or you stop moving. Just a bear. Um, next, we got, believe, is the flyweight championship fight. Alexandre, Alexandra, Dre, I don't know how the fuck to say his first name, Alexandre Pantoja versus Brandon Royville. Um, don't know much about Brandon Royville, but I do know that Pantoja put on a fucking stellar performance in his last fight. Definitely deserved that title. And like the um the post fight speech as well was like, you know, <laughs> if you didn't shed a tear during that, then you are just like broken inside, emotionless. And then we'll move on to the main event in Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington. Once again, I don't really know which way to go with this one. It's been proven that Leon can sort of stand up against some decent wrestling. But, you know, it only really takes one slip in that department against people like Colby and people like Usman. 
Um, granted, didn't slip up against Usman, but you never fucking know. Um, Colby striking is also pretty decent. Leon's is obviously better being a like predominant striker, but you know, Colby's is nothing to shake a stick at as opposed to like I think it's on par, maybe even a little bit better than Usman's in the sense that it's not so one dimensional because he actually sort of has use of his legs and like mobility in his knees and such. <laughs> not the knees of a fucking eighty year old man. So this is a really interesting fight. Um if Leon's on his game and he's only gotten better since he's gotten the title, he'll get it done. Once again, I think this is just a 50-50 fight. I really, like, I could just say either one of them can win. There's really, like, no prediction to make there in any way. Or I'm not going to try to make one, rather. Um, last bit of news. Oliveira is complaining about Abu Dhabi because it's apparently a home advantage for Islam. Um, I don't know how that makes sense. He's not from Abu Dhabi. Yeah, there's a lot of Muslim people there, but like, whatever. Like, like he could say the same thing about like, uh, I don't know. White Brazilians aren't Spanish. Is that racist? I don't know. Moving on, Islam wants to go to 170 for the title if he wins. Um, I don't know. Like, maybe he has a right to. He's only defended once against Alexander Volkanovsky, so. It's really hard to say. Then again, there's like not really many people at the top of that lightweight division that, I don't know. Actually, now that I think about it, like it'd be good to see him and, did him and Gaethje fight? Maybe him and Gaethje have already fought. It'd be good to see him and Gaethje fight. No, Oliveira beat everybody. That's right. Oliveira beat all those guys and then Islam beat Oliveira. Yeah. Reminding myself. Um, drink here because fuck, my mouth is dry. I'm trying to keep this under half an hour. So, anyway, I think he needs to do a little bit more in the lightweight division before he has a right to go up and challenge a 170. But if they want to make the fight, they want to make the fight. That's up to them. We'll talk about that if that happens. Uh, moving on to a, you know, a breakdown of sorts. What is there to break down really from? This fight from the weekend, other than Canelo, you know, some people are like, oh, he turned back the clock, and it's like, oh, you know, like, he looked better than he did in his last couple of fights, definitely more mobile, and worked on that, for sure. He had to be more mobile against the opponent that he was fighting, but at the same point in time, do you have to be really mobile against somebody that doesn't want to fight you? Charlo did nothing in this fight. Like, as I mentioned earlier, when Crawford said that the performance he put on was really poor, and that's, you know, I think he worded it differently, to be honest. But it was, yeah, it was just really lackluster performance. Like, it's one of those things, man. If you're going to go up two weight divisions, you know, with none of your titles on the line and all of his, at some point you've got to swing for the fences, you know. It might not have to be in the seventh, but it's definitely got to be in the twelfth. And, like, his trainers were screaming at him, especially in the twelfth, man. Like, you've got to fucking do something. You've got to swing at this guy. You've got to hit him. You've got to fucking throw everything you've got at him to win this. You are losing this fight. And he still just didn't. It's uh seems to be a common theme of these people that fight Canelo. They're almost like mesmerizing. They put him up on this pedestal. Like I don't understand. At the end of the like he's a you know, yeah, he is who he is, but at the end of the day he's also just a fucking man in front of you 
wearing boxing gloves like you are, you've got the same opportunity to do anything to him that he does to you. Not to say that everybody can, but, you know, Charlo's one of the more capable people, we thought anyway. Um, Yeah, this was supposed to be his whole, like, stepping up to greatness thing, and he fucking, you know, I don't think he did any favors for himself in any way, especially with, like, doing that and then just calling out somebody three, like, not three, a weight division lower than you when you've got not a mandatory anymore because he took your title. Like, you now have a guy who took your title without fighting you because you just beat everybody that could potentially be in the way and he's about to beat one of the other guys that, you know, beat you and then you went to a, I think, unanimous decision with or did you knock him out? I can't remember. Either way, it's not fucking rememberable. So there you go. Um... Canelo was pretty confident after the fight. He said, like, nobody beats this Canelo, which is debatable. There's a couple of people that might. There's a couple of, those couple of people are going to have trouble doing it, but they might. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, also remains to be seen. I think he'll be back in May next year, Cinco de Mayo weekend. Uh, he probably wants Bivol again, but who knows what's going on with him. Um, moving on to a quick Review of the weekend's action. Um, there's a UFC fight night, but I don't really care about it, to be honest. I'm not going to be watching it. So, well, I'm not going to be watching it now. I might watch some highlights. I might talk about it next week. We'll see how we go. But we've got uh, Lee Wood versus Josh Warrington. Um, interesting circumstances around this. Warrington's coming off a loss to Luis Alberto Lopez. Lopez. So it's pretty confusing that he gets the fight. And then I saw some article earlier that said apparently the winner, probably more Lee Wood, is looking to go to 130 to fight for Joe Cordina's IBF title, which is weird considering this fight's for a WBA title. So I don't know what kind of, you know, rankings they hold or whether they've held IBF titles before. I think maybe Arrington has at some point in time. I believe he's the next champion. I'm not sure. I need to read more. All feelings, no facts. Um, yeah, I don't really... Like, the outcome of this doesn't bother me too much. Who wins? I do think Lee Wood's probably good enough to get it done. Especially if he stays on point like he did in the last fight against... What is his fucking name? Mauricio Lara. That's the one. The Bronco. Um, that happened. We'll fix it. Uh, keeping this under half an hour. Yeah. There's not a whole lot to say about this fight, really. It's, like I said, it's in really interesting circumstances that Warrington even gets the fight. They both seem to be avoiding this WBA mandatory who's like 17 and 0 isn't a fucking killer. So. Who knows what's going to happen after the fight. Um, pretty decent build-up in the sense that they're like both from relatively close parts of the same country. So it's kind of like, you know, city against city kind of thing. Bit of like rivalry, almost like a bit of a soccer thing. So it's probably going to be a pretty decent turnout for that. Um, I believe it's happening. Like it's happening in Sheffield, and then they're from the surrounding areas. So really good marketing, but 
Remains to be seen what kind of fight it's going to be. Um, Lee Wood probably gets it done. I don't think by knockout. He's got good power, but I think, you know, he didn't really manage to hurt Lara and Conlon, who he flatlined before that, is kind of chinny. It's been shown at this point. Um, last point here before I finish. Um, I just wanted to quickly mention, well, not mention, but like, we'll just say congrats to fucking like Zayli Zang absolutely coming out of nowhere and being a fucking huge part of the heavyweight division all of a sudden. Just fucking flatlining Joe Joyce with the world's slowest right hook. It's like, Joe, how the fuck did you not see that coming? I could have like watched that five days later hold you in the ring and still like beaten the phone call would have beaten the punch to your fucking face that's how slow it was like no fucking like credit against zhang that's just the kind of puncher that he is but it's like you're not a top heavyweight contender man just fucking 38 years old just take your silver medal and fucking go back to easter ireland please anyway that's the squared circle for this week. Uh, I'll be back next week. Uh, subscribe on Apple, Spotify. We'll be on YouTube at some point when I decide to film myself. Uh, camera died, so that's the thing. We'll figure that out. Taking it as we go. Um, yeah, thanks for listening, and I'll see you guys next week.